This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, who said it? Quote, we pretty much do everything together. We pee together. We get injured together. We sleep together. It was good to push each other. Getting on the ice with the injuries that we had were tough. To know that somebody was going through a similar stuff that you were definitely going through made it a little bit easier. Getting your conditioning and all that stuff back kind of sucks. So it's nice to look over and see somebody grinding on the bike next to you. So that definitely helps. That is Trevor Zegras on Jamie Drysdale, who is now a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, today wearing number nine of practice and paired with Travis, Travis Sanheim. Uh, Cam York paired with Sean Walker. Uh, here for comments uh, on this story. Uh, as some 30 years plus later, the Philadelphia Flyers get Lindrost themselves. Is Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, the blog and the podcast. Hello, Fridge. You know, I have to say, I don't see it as the same thing. I, I, I really don't. It's not. Um, I'm, I was thinking about this cheek. last it's night. It's tongue in cheek. Oh, okay. It's tongue no, in cheek. because you have no it's sense totally of humor, so I don't. <laughs> you have no sense of humor, so I don't know. It's it's tough to tell. But I honestly, you know, like obviously Lindros told Quebec in advance, don't take me, and they still did. Yes. And, you know, Goche obviously indicated he was happy to be a flyer, and then he changed his mind. So I, I don't think the two situations are the same. No. No. Different players, different situations, different circumstances, different statements, all of it. I'm just taking the low-hanging fruit. And as I've told you before, yeah. Elliot, even though it's low-hanging – Low-hanging fruit is still nutritious for the purposes of a radio talk show, anyhow. Um, yeah. So, how did? Well, there was so much, so much painting, either with a roller or a brush, on this one. Let's start with the yep. roller. Big picture, how did you see this? I don't want to just say trade because this has been a conversation for a while. How did you see yep. this chapter in the soap opera that continues to be the twenty-three, twenty-four season? Well, it's just another crazy story, right? You know, you, the the Nylander thing comes down on Monday, and you're like, okay, I can take a breather, and 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 then maybe work <laughs> on the next thing the next day, and kaboom! Yeah. No, you can't. Like, like I'll say this about Goche. Like, I, like there's some people who seem to indicate that they were there to last summer. This this really got put on my radar at the end of last week, and. Um, I got a call from someone uh, overseas and said to me, you know, the, the word here at the World Juniors is that Goche won't meet with Philly and, and something's up. I have to tell you, I had a couple teams say to me today that it's a real interesting question about whether or not you should talk to a prospect at the World Juniors. Like there's some, some people who believe you don't do that. You leave them alone. And especially they said like Hockey Canada in its heyday was notorious for telling teams no, you can't talk to your player here. They're here to win a gold medal. So anyway, by you know, I got a call and there's you know, someone said to me, the word here is that Goche won't meet with the Flyers and something is going on. And I made a couple calls about it and you know, people said to me, look, they're playing for the gold medal. That's the focus. Um, we'll see yeah. where this goes in the near future. And people state, like, again, on the weekend, it was like they just won the gold, let them celebrate. We're, so my focus was kind of on Nylander, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick this back up on Tuesday. And then Monday night, it, it happened. So 
I, I mean, obviously there there's some word that started to seep out that something was going on and something was going to happen, but I don't know if anybody thought it was going to be on Monday night. There's a, just as a quick aside about the idea of not talking to players at the World Junior Tournament, the, the same is true. I can recall a conversation I had at the Memorial Cup in Windsor. Um, the same is true of players in that tournament as well. I remember one GM uh, really complaining, was really angry, and I was, we were, I was asking him, you know, why is so, you know, essentially pissed off? And he said, well, this one NHL team just talked to my number one defenseman and essentially told him, hey, you know what, when all of this is done, like, we're going to turn you pro. And he said his, his focus and his attention just evaporated. Uh, and that team mm-hmm. ended up, you know, not winning the Memorial Cup, not that it was only because of that, but I do understand, like, when you mention that, my, my brain flashes back to the Memorial Cup in Windsor and an NHL team talking to a, to a player there. A- anyhow, um, you know, there's, um, and there's still more to, to come, but there's a lot of sort of stories. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kurz has yeah. a story about uh, Sharp and John LeClaire at Boston College wanting to talk to Goche and uh, Goche saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. Um, we're going to continue to hear a lot more stories either about whether it's uh, Daniel Briere and how he gauged interest a- around the NHL and how other teams valued Goche. I was saying off the top of the show, Elliot, how you know there's a fine line between making an official offer and just gauging interest from another team on your players or yep. on your player specifically. So we're going to hear a lot in the next few days. Um, as, as much as you've been able to sort of sift through through all of this, you know what's mm-hmm. what's sort of sticking to the tray here. What what are you a hundred percent comfortable saying about how this all went down? Well, I'll, I I think this. I think that um, um, I, I I would say this. I, I think that um, so obviously something happened at the end of last season and. Uh, Look, like the one thing that there's been kind of like a hard denial on is that it was Tortorella related. And um, it, yeah. it, it'll be interesting because, you know, Jeff, like Goche and his, and, his, and his family and his advisor and everyone, they're going to have to live with the fact that people are going to guess. Like, I'm sure they're not happy yeah. about everybody guessing, but that's life. If you don't provide a reason, people are going to guess. Um, but so far, the one thing that there's been kind of a hard denial on is that Tortorella was the factor. So, you know, what, although, again, I don't think everyone's going to believe that. I think that's just the way it's going to go here. They're going to have to live with the fact that people aren't going to buy some of the things that he's selling. Um yeah. What I do think is this. Um, something happened at the end of last season. Because we went from Cutter Goche saying, I was born to be a flyer, to him telling them at the after the World Championships that he wasn't uh, going to play for them. And I do believe that was the last time that Cutter Goche spoke to the Flyers, was on a Zoom call after the World Championships. And, you know, look, like... Uh, I do think that at the end of last year, there was a conversation about Cutter Goche at the end of his season last year in, in, the, in, 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 in school, there was a conversation about turning pro. And from what I understand, 
the Flyers said they couldn't do it at the time because his bonuses would have put them over the cap and they didn't want there to be an overage this year. Now, I Hmm. can't say for sure because nobody's talking here, but one of the theories is that for whatever reason, Gauthier took that as a sign that they weren't willing to take him right away or they weren't enthusiastic about taking him right away. And it might be broken telephone, but it's the best explanation I've got so far that Philly thought that meant one thing, which was we're still happy to have you, we want you, and we're going to give you a great chance to make this team next year. They weren't going to promise him a spot, but I think they made it very clear that if he performed in camp and exhibition games the way he could, he could very well make the team. And I think it was perceived on the other side and I'm, that Philly wasn't willing to bend things to make things happen right away. And that is the best intel I've been given so far by uh, people that I trust the most. So I, I think that at the end of last year, when Philly kind of said, we can't do this right now, it's possible it was not received in the way it was intended, and it drove a wedge through the relationship. That's what I, I think right now, until I'm told otherwise. Okay. Um, and again, we're going to hear uh, a lot of the different things over the next few days. You know, Kevin Hayes has been dragged into this uh, as well. And I, I know that there's like, you know, acrimony between, between Hayes and, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, on, on I, I, I got to say this. Keith, uh, Jeff, Keith Jones did a radio interview um, this, uh, in the mor- in this morning in Philly where apparently he said yeah. that uh, uh, Kevin Hayes called Danny Briere and said he didn't do it. And I think, from what I've heard, Philadelphia is satisfied with that because, you know, there were also rumors in the summer, remember, Tory Krug did not waive his no-trade clause to go to Philly, yes. which ended that St. Louis-Philly deal. And at the time, people accused uh, Hayes of playing a role in that too. And um, I think that at that time, everything was kind of sorted out that Hayes felt that Philly at the end handled it properly and he was satisfied with that. Uh, I, I want to get to what this means for both teams because, you know, obviously uh, much more attention is being placed on the Cutter Goche side of things, but I do want to get to the Jamie Drysdale side of this trade as well. Uh, but before I get there, I was mentioning this off the, off the top of the show. I can't recall ever hearing a general manager um, at a presser after a trade thank other general managers essentially for not leaking and not saying that the Philadelphia Flyers are, are looking to move Cutter Goche and it's heating up. Like, we know people in the industry talk. I've just never heard a manager come out publicly thanking other GMs that, you know, he's spoken to about Cutter Goche for not essentially telling everybody, um, which is too bad because that's kind of the lifeblood of our industry, Elliot, and what we do. Yeah. Uh, but what did you make of Daniel? What did you make of Daniel Breer's comments last night about other GMs not telling everybody else what Philly's up to? Well, I would like to take the opposite tack. I would like to rip all of those general managers <laughs> for not saying anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Like he's like to me. That's just a new general manager 
you know, making sure that everybody knows. Like, you know, Briere, what's he coming up on his first anniversary of the job? Um, yep. So I think yep. that's his way of saying, like, uh, um, that I appreciate your trust. It's a nice thing to do. Um, you know, like, in the last few years, there's definitely some times, like, for example, on the email list, um, you know, some stuff has gotten out and GMs have gone each other hard. So, uh, you know, I, I, on, I guess his way of just what, saying... The, the, the email, hang on. Really, really quick, the, the email list that Elliot is talking about. There is an there is a there is an email list for all the general managers in the NHL. Just so all of our listeners and viewers have an idea of what that's all about for each. Yeah, so um, you know, there's been some accusations of like people leaking what's on that list and things like that. So um, you know, I I know there was a big conversation about that list is supposed to be sacred, and uh, so obviously you know, Briere is. Um, you know, he's he's playing his part. He's, he's saying thanks and um, uh, giving his tribute. I, I don't have a huge problem with that, except that I wish there were more loose lips out there. <laughs> uh, there's still plenty, Elliot. You know that. Um, you know, it is interesting, too, and I think we've all wondered, and uh, again, like you've heard me go on again over and over again about how uh, I think that managers have a responsibility for the good of the game to, you know, document at the end of their careers um, all the things that they went through as they ran hockey teams to sort of give hockey fans uh, a sense of how the league operated when they were running teams. I, you know, I think that uh, there's a book in every single general manager, and that's why I love Jason Ferris's book. Uh, that's why I applaud Brian Burke and I applaud Doug McLean. Uh, for writing books and, and documenting things that they did. But I, I, I do wonder, um, because I don't think for one second, you know, Anaheim was the only team engaged uh, in discussions for uh, Cutter Goche and probably goes to speak about, you know, why Daniel Briere thanked other managers for not leaking it. Um, you know, there was the Montreal conversation of the draft last year. Uh, was that a trade offer? Was that just gauging interest and trying to gauge value? Uh, I mentioned off the top of the show today uh, a conversation that I had with Kelly Rudy where he talked to Rogi Vashon and his general manager in L.A. And Rogi talked about, you know, I talk about all my players every day to everybody because that's my responsibility yeah. just to gauge how everyone's feeling about all the different players. I would have to assume that Anaheim wasn't the only other team uh, talked to here. I don't think there's a question attached here other than, you know, Cutter, when someone like Cutter Goche is available... You know, you talk to as many teams uh, as you can to sort of ascertain what the value yeah. is and try to get the best return. Yeah, I, I think you do. I, I heard at the end there were there were two other teams that were really kind of like the finalists there. Um, I think it was it was mm-hmm. Anaheim and two others. Uh, Philly was definitely looking for a young D. Uh, Drysdale fit the profile of what they wanted, and uh, you know, I think Bob Murray, you know, he works for Philly now. And I have no doubt that he played a huge role in pushing for Drysdale uh, to be there because he drafted him and, and he knows him. Um, so, but I think there were two other teams there at the end of the day that uh, Philly was talking to, and that was the kind of player they wanted. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I don't only think, like I thought last night, Philly was worried this was going to get out and it was going to destroy their leverage. Uh, you know, Keith Jones kind of hinted that, or actually came out and said that on one on his one of his interviews. But I think Anaheim was worried about that too. Like 
Pat Verbeek is old school. He knew that it, there was a chance that maybe Drysdale's name could get out. And I think he also said, I want this done so that Drysdale's name doesn't get out there. Yeah. Uh, Dr- Drysdale, um, as I've been told, was shocked last night when uh, when he found out about it. This was a, uh, a major surprise uh, for Drysdale. But let's pick up the conversation then and, and focus on the, uh, uh, on the Drysdale end of things. Uh, what do you make of the return for Cutter Goche? Well, I like Jamie Drysdale. I think he's a really good player. You know, unfortunately, he's been hurt, and he basically lost a year of his career. Um, so, yep. you know, he's, he's trying to come back from that. You know, I, I take Pat Verbeek at his word when I say that he doesn't didn't want to get rid of him because of, you know, the, the contract stalemate this year. I, I think that's, I think that's true uh, in this case. Um, uh, but look, like you know, you nobody's talked about it more than you have, Jeff. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, the, the Ducks have a lot of young D. And that doesn't mean they're all going to turn out, but some of them look really good. And uh, Oh, boy. You know, yeah. I, I, and, and I think one of the things that really happened here was I think the, I think the Flyers went at this. Like, I remember when, when the Islanders traded for Gar Snow, um, one of the things the Oilers did was – sorry, the Oilers traded for Ryan Smith. One of the things the Oilers yep. did was they targeted teams that you know had what they wanted, right? And you know, Gar mm-hmm. Snow had told the Oilers, "If you ever trade him, please let me know. I'd be interested." Uh, and they went back to him. And they said, "This is kind of what we want." And I think the Flyers, knowing they wanted a young D, the Ducks were one of the teams they could call and say, "You have what we want." And if you're going to get Utter Goche, you're going to have to give out talent. Like, this is not happening for free. And uh, it cost yep. them a really good young player. Um, but I think the Ducks feel they have an excess there. Uh, true. And let's not forget as well, um, Anaheim will probably select high this year at the draft again. And there are a lot of good defensemen that are available uh, in this year's draft. You know, I, I look at Cutter Goche, I think you probably wonder about the same thing, whether it's, you know, Mason McTavish and Leo Carlson. That's probably your one, two centers for the next, what do you figure, for each like 10 years. Um, and, you know, Cutter Goche is playing center at BC. Now he's playing, he played center at the World Juniors as well that he just absolutely ripped up here. Like, he's going to probably at least start uh, on the wing with the Anaheim Ducks. For Jamie Drysdale, though, I can't help but looking at the Philadelphia Flyers power play. It is last in the NHL, firing just over 10%, and now... They have someone that can wheel the puck from the point. You know, he doesn't have the hardest shots. And, you know, he's not Chara. He's not like Bouchard. He's not one of these guys. Um, but now they have someone that can at least step in, Elliot, and start to help that power play. Yeah, there, there's, and he's going to be given that. Like, it was interesting how uh, Tortorella said last night, we're going to start him off on offense and we'll worry about the D later, right? Like, I, I almost fell off my yeah. chair when I heard that quote. Um, uh, because, you know, Tortorella is not a, like, you don't think of him like that, but you know, that's the thing. Like, as you said, Drysdale's in shock. He's going from one end of the continent to the other. He's going from one conference to the other, put him in a spot where he can be successful at the start. And that's exactly what 
they're going to do, right? Yeah. So I, I like that yep. about this. I think it's a smart way to play. And now we see what the domino effect will be on the on the rest of the Philly defense because, you know, they, they have extra D. And, you know, I think they've started talking lightly to some of these guys about extensions, but nothing too serious. So we'll see how this all plays out and, um, you know, what they do because now they have a, a surplus of defensemen. Yes, uh, specifically on the right side, and I do wonder about Sean Walker in all of this. Jamie Drysdale is a right shot. Walker's a right shot here uh, as well. Um, not to say that he can't come back if he gets you know traded at deadline, but that's one of the players uh, that I would wonder about as well. Um, I was mentioning this off the top too. Um, Jamie Drysdale walks into the Philadelphia Flyers dressing room, and it's not as if it's completely you know, foreign to him. Um, there are some yep. people that he knows, whether it's Owen Tippett, uh, Morgan Frost, uh, someone else. Not that they've you know, played together a lot, but they've, you know, worked out and trained together uh, all from the same area. So it's not as if he's walking into into a dressing room and doesn't recognize anybody. There is still some familiarity there um, for Jamie Drysdale. Uh, okay, elsewhere around the NHL, specifically... Last night, uh, there were a couple of weird things. Uh, um, the the Colorado-Boston game, first of all, was a great game and had one yep. of the most unique calls in the history of the game. You tweeted about it last night. The offsetting too many men on the ice call yesterday. Curtis McDermott, Oscar Steen sitting in the box for, uh, for these infractions. Uh, it has happened before. Uh, eight times yeah. previous, according to the uh, the NHL and Sportsnet stats. Uh, just your thought on, on that game in general, which, I mean, a, a great game. And, you know, if that's yeah. going to be your Stanley Cup final, uh, I'll take seven games of that. Thank you very much. Your thoughts on the game and your thoughts on one of the more unique calls we've ever heard in the NHL. Yeah, I, I thought it was, like, I thought it was a great game. Uh, I, I really was entertaining. Uh, I, I loved watching it. I'm with you. You know, when it happened... I was watching the the Boston feed, and and when it happened, I was you know you could only see the Colorado side of it um, because it was mm-hmm. obvious the player coming out of the box, kind of what had happened. You're like, oh, that's too many men, and it took me a little bit. Like the the Bruins, as they were going to commercial, they kind of realized that they're like, oh wait a sec, there's two calls here, and I still really wasn't sure when we got back to the game as to what exactly had happened. It was kind of wild. Um, like, I was surprised when I saw that it was the eighth time it's happened in 60 years. Like, I, I don't remember yeah. anything like that ever occurring. I thought it was just hilarious. Um, like, I thought there were two games last night I really loved watching. One was that one, and I, I got to tell you, that Vancouver Rangers game, there were a few minutes oh, yeah. there that the, the, Canucks, the Canucks looked like the Globetrotters last night. It was, it was wild. The, um, the the point that I've been trying to make about that Vancouver-New York Rangers game, and listen, this is on the heels of Vancouver's masterful performance on Saturday uh, against, like I know, the New Jersey Devils are beleaguered by injuries right now, but still, that was a, uh, a, tremendous, a tremendous game by the Vancouver Canucks. But I don't know that I've seen the Rangers fall into traps, the likes of which we saw yesterday whether it was, you know, on that Elias Pettersson goal that we're all talking about, you know, he, he scores on, on Shishterkin from behind the net and, and wraps it in and tucks it. Um, yeah. You know, Jacob Truba is chasing a, chasing a hit on Hoaglander. Like, it just seemed as if 
the Vancouver Canucks yesterday just laid down a bunch of rakes on the ice and let the Rangers step on them. And I haven't seen a team yeah. do that to the Rangers all season long. Like, that was, to me, even more impressive than what we saw on Saturday. And Saturday was amazing by Vancouver. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I Like, last night, they looked... Um, they were just one of those games where everything you do works so well. Um, sometimes yeah. there's no, I mean, one, they're skilled. Like they, they have great players so they can do things like that. But second, it's just one of those nights where nothing you can do is wrong. And uh, like, it, it just, you know, the, like they were, you know, they were like, like the shoot, like, like the, the shots on goal were kind of looked like a bit tilted one way for a time. But, you know, the Canucks, yeah. like, I ne- like, I never thought they were in real trouble last night. Like, I, Demko made a lot of good saves, and, no. the, and the Rangers had some really good chances. But I just, I never thought the Canucks were in danger. And maybe that's because Demko stopped almost everything that was really serious. But I just felt like mm-hmm. no matter what the Rangers did last night, there was a point that the Canucks were just not losing that game. Was that the, uh, you know, you always look for sort of statements along the way. Like, look at, this is at MSG. This is against the New York Rangers, you know. There's, you know, two points separating the top five teams for the President's Trophy th- this year, and the Rangers have been on top of the yep. Metropolitan Division all season long. This is in a huge media market, obviously, uh, in New York. Was that the the moment where the Vancouver Canucks sort of deliberately or not announced to the NHL that, this isn't just cute what Vancouver is doing. This is a team that could, and I, I, there's a lot of hockey to play here, compete for a Stanley Cup. You know, to be honest, Jeff, I think that should have happened already. Like, you know, they've, uh, like, you know, I'm sure that because it's it's there, um, and David Amber was broadcasting it. Like, nothing really happens until David Amber broadcasts it. Then, yes, there, I'm sure there's some <laughs> people that look at it and say. This is the moment they've arrived, but you know, to me, I, I like to me, it, it's they've arrived. They arrived a while ago. Like they, they've shown this year that they, you know, they've bought into what they're being told. People are fitting their roles. The best players have been great all year. Like, like the, mm-hmm. for me, the team that took a bit longer to get its flowers was Winnipeg. Um, you know, I think Vancouver a couple months ago, people latched on to, hey, this is a team on a really nice run this year. And as long as they keep shooting the way they're shooting, they're going to be just fine. Uh, Winnipeg, to me, is the team that took a lot longer to get the respect that it was probably due. Okay, so you're not going to pick up what I'm putting down there. Let me see if you'll pick this one up. Um, yep. The Buffalo Sabres, they'll face off against yep. the Seattle Kraken tonight. One of 10 games on the board around the NHL. Now, this homestand, six games over two weeks, includes tonight against Seattle, then Ottawa, Vancouver, San Jose, Chicago, and Tampa. Is this Buffalo's season? Right there, those six games. Is this the Buffalo season? Buffalo Sabres season? Um, well, I think if you're a player, you have to say yes. I mean, the math is not their friend. Um, so, like, look, I'll, I'll say that's probably happened already, Jeff. But if you're a player, you have to treat it that way. 
the the thing about this stretch is there are a lot of winnable games here. Right, like I know yep. that like, Seattle's on a on a nice six game win streak here. They've been they've been excellent, um, but Ottawa's had its challenges. We all know about San Jose, Chicago's story is well told. More money off the ice uh, than on the ice. Uh, like there's some real winnable game, and that's why I look at this and say, okay, if the Sabers are going to have any chance of getting back in any conversation about being competitive this season, this is it. Blow this, and it's done. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, you have to look at it that way. Uh, you always have to find something to play for. But, you know, we've talked how Edmonton has no more margin for error. That goes double for Buffalo. Yeah. Double. Okay, uh, let's conclude on this one then. Um, the, pick up the Vancouver Canucks conversation. Tonight they're playing the New York Islanders, and so we always think of yeah. Bo Horvat when these two teams get together. It sounds like Adam Pellick will return for the Islanders tonight yeah. in this one. Uh, Vancouver's on the back-to-back. Great job, as we mentioned, against the Rangers last night. Uh, Sorokin goes for the New York Islanders. Just your, your thoughts on on this one. Like This is a Vancouver Canucks team that's hit a stride again, um, facing off against a team that's really difficult to play, certainly at home. Your thoughts on Vancouver and the Islanders tonight, one of the marquee matchups. Well, first of all, you know it's a money-on-the-board night. That's number one. There's going to be a For lot sure. of emotion and passion. Uh, in this game, uh, so that's that's one thing you take a look at there. Um, you know, Jeff, I know you really, I know you, you're always concerned about that grueling bus ride from Manhattan to Long Island and <laughs> the effect it could have on a team. Buffalo to New York. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a really grueling trip. Uh, look, like you know, like to me, the best goal in the league this year is Soroka. You know, as we sit here on, I don't even know what day it is. What is it, the ninth? Um, the you know, ninth the, of J- Hey, congratulations. Yeah, the, the best goal in the league this year has been Sorokin. So, the, you know, yeah. the, the Canucks tonight, they're getting the best goalie in the NHL. And um, I think he's made the Islanders look really great at times. And uh, he's, he's been fantastic. So, you know, you know, last night you had Shesterkin who's a top goalie in this mm-hmm. league, you beat him. Tonight, you got a big challenge, too. You get Sorokin. Um, you know, one thing I just wanted to mention, I was at the skate this morning. Uh, no Logan Couture yep. tonight, and uh, I think he hopes to play by Saturday in Ottawa for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But he doesn't know, he doesn't know if he's going to be able to do it. So, but I think he really would love it if that was his debut. Um, uh, you know, going back to his junior home, I just, I don't know if for it's sure. going to be possible. He was great for the sixty sevens. What, what is? We'll finish on this one. What is the, uh, what is the mood around San Jose? I mean, I can't imagine it's great being on the the wrong end of yeah. an eleven game streak here. You know, the one, the one thing he said is that, you know, because he's watched it all, right? He, he said that this streak is different than the one at the beginning of the year. Like, like you talk to those players there. The one at the beginning of the year was embarrassing. Like, it was absolutely embarrassing because they were getting killed in some of those games. And you know what a couple of guys said was if it wasn't for their goalies, like, they could have lost by 20. And, um, Jeez. you know, uh, they feel that this one's different. They're closer, but they're finding ways to lose games. I think the amazing thing is if you take a look at Blackwood and, and Kakanen, 
So, like, those guys are, like, if, if you look at their goals, their, their metrics, they're really good. Yeah. And their save percentage is right around league average. And you look at the result this year, like, it's it's great. Like, if you get goaltending as good as they've gotten, you can't imagine you could have streaks where you could lose 10, 11 games in a row. I'll tell you something else, too, mm. um, Jeff. I was in that room this morning. And, you know, Couture comes off after a late skate. You know, he's still injured, so he's getting the late skate. But you look at the guys who are coming off at the end, right? Like LeBanc, Vlasic. Yeah. Like, if you would have you told me, what, two, three years ago, that I'd be at a skate San Jose in Toronto, and their record would be the way it is, and Vlasic and... And LeBanc would be two of the guys who were scratched. Like, I, I would have told you you were nuts. I, I, I would have said you're absolutely crazy. Like, it's just, it's weird to see it. Like, like those are two really talented players, and it's wild to see what's happened to them. Just, I, I would never Sam. have believed it. Yeah, uh, it's been one of the uh, one of the more negative stories around the NHL all season. We'll see what happens tonight. One of ten games on the board. The Maple Leafs hosting the San Jose Sharks. Uh, William Nylander's first game uh, after signing that uh, massive contract. Uh, okay, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Happy shoveling. Uh, major uh, snowstorm in Toronto. Uh, happy shoveling. Right and, uh, in the middle we'll chat of it. soon, Elliot. All right, buddy. All right, take enjoy. Care.